This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments, hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe, and brought to you by 105.9 The Region. As always, I'd like to remind you folks out there listening in Radio Land that wherever you get your favorite podcast, you can get Discovery, the wonderful show that hosts this podcast. It's on Amazon, Audible, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get Discovery, the wonderful radio show that hosts this program, as well as Millennial Balance, the new music podcast, some of our wonderful clients, a lot of great programs right here on Discovery, and it's super accessible. You can get it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's true. Check it out. So last week I spoke a little bit about my personal experience with bullying and that it was rampant throughout essentially my entire formative years all the way up until college. I, I spoke a little bit about some uh, some instances that I thought were particularly transformative. Through all of that, through all of my experience, I will admit that I am not the smartest person in the room and that I couldn't possibly explain the science behind bullying and why it has such a deep impact on the human mind. So that is why I turned to uh, to the experts and joining me today is Dr. Jennifer Frazier, the author of the book, The Bullied Brain. Dr. Frazier, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Phil. I came across your book and yourself by listening to an interview that you did with Dr. Claudia Macchiella on the wellness prescription. And I wanted to start off by saying that something you said in that interview kind of resonated with myself, and I'd like to kick off from there. Uh, you alluded to the fact that bullying uh, can trigger cortisol in the human mind. So my first question is, what is cortisol and what does that do to the brain? It's essentially a stress hormone. And really it's designed by evolution so that if you came face to face with a predator, so something aggressive and threatening and your survival's on the line, your body and brain do unbelievably lightning fast things to save your life. And it, it gives you the option. It's so fast. We don't even notice it. We think it's natural. Um, but basically your brain is deciding along with your body based on the situation, whether or not you should run for it. And that's flight. Should you fight the predator? That's fight. Or should you just go completely still like an animal might that doesn't want to be seen so that the predator shumble, you know, shambles away like a bear or something. It doesn't even see you. Our brains are not designed to be under a sense of constant threat, a barrage of things that feel very predatorial to the brain because they're threatening and they're aggressive and our stress hormones are going up and up and up. And the cortisol is pumping up into our brains and down into our bodies. And this kind of repeat cortisol actually does remarkable damage. It can dismantle brain architecture. It can erode myelin, which is an important, it's the white matter of the brain. It can hurt your blood vessels. I think it's one of the most important things for all adults to know about, and especially all children and teenagers and youth to know about, because it's really within our control to take those cortisol levels and bring them back down. I wanted to ask you something mainly out of curiosity, because I, I actually just did an episode on bullying last week, and that's why I wanted to follow up with you. Me as an adult, I tend to struggle to relax, to to drop my guard, for lack of a better term. Based on the research that you've done, is it entirely possible that the sustained bullying I faced has led to this never-ending on-edgedness? 
Absolutely. The scientists would describe that condition as hypervigilance. So when you've been subjected to bullying and abuse, you develop a brain that sees the world as fairly malevolent, and it actually spends a lot of time and resources looking for the next attack. So it's the unpredictability of the attack. And individuals who bully or abuse are highly adept oftentimes at using the behavior in very targeted ways. So it's not that they behave this way with everyone. They specifically choose people that they feel they have power over and they, they channel that really destructive behavior just into them. And so it feels very unpredictable and it feels very confusing. So you can well imagine that your brain, after being treated that way, would be preparing you and protecting you. Survival is its key thing. So it's watching the world for attacks. And that takes a lot of resources from other parts of your brain. You know, if you're having to put all your energy into kind of pumping up your amygdala, which is like the it's a part of the brain involved in threat detection and watching for danger. If you're pouring resources into that part of your brain, you're taking them away from, you know, activities that your brain does like creativity and problem solving and social emotional intelligence and all these other incredible brain functions. You, uh, you'd reference the idea that there are some things that we can do. So I wanted to ask you what's something that both uh, parents and guardians can can do to help their children in these scenarios? Let's say we've already gone through the uh, the scenario that, okay, now I know you're being bullied. So what can a parent or guardian do to guide their children towards better brain health? In my book, it each chapter talks about, um, the first chapters anyways, they all talk about the impact bullying and abuse has on brains. So it supplies the psychiatry and the neuroscience. It talks about neurobiology and psychology. And I really unpack for the reader what this kind of behavior does. Um, even when it's done peer to peer, it's extremely harmful to the brain. And then the latter part of the book is all about in-depth research on the practices we can do and why they work to help our brains get better to, to heal our neurological scars. One of the things that I really focused on in trying to tackle this idea of, okay, we have all this extensive neuroscience, how can we make it practical in our lives? What would we do to like put um, this knowledge into play? Bullying and abuse in many ways fragment us. We start to become a kind of a, a broken self or our parts aren't working together very coherently. And so I spend a lot of time on practices to align the body and the mind and the brain. And we tend to leave the brain right out of the equation. You need to start having conversations with children and, and youth and, and young adults about their brains, about how their brains have neuroplasticity brain plasticity. It means they can change their brain. We adults can change our brains right up until the last minute we're on the planet. So it's a really exciting and empowering thing to learn that if you're struggling in some area of your life, just like with sports or music, daily practice is going to bring you the achievement that you want. You have to put in the time and the effort every single day. And lo and behold, you find yourself getting better at it. You're getting smarter, you're getting faster, you're getting more high performing, you're getting more skilled. That's all happening inside your brain and it's actually changing. It's becoming much more sculpted. Just like if you exercise with your body and you put in the time to do weights and to play sports and, and run and do all these sorts of things, your body would become more uh, resilient, it would be more flexible, it would be more sculpted. That's exactly the same as the brain. 
You've got to learn practices. So close your eyes, visualize, use your mind to tell your brain that it's in charge. It's in the driver's seat and the brain can step down. It does not have to remain vigilant. You're safe and the, the mind is in charge. And it doesn't happen overnight. Just like you can't get up off the couch and suddenly become someone who runs a marathon. It's hard work, but it can be done. It can be done by all of us. Bettering ourselves takes work. And I know that a lot of people out there may want an immediate fix that there, but there is no rip the bandaid off solution to helping our brains develop and get better in these scenarios. I wanted to pivot a little bit uh, while you were researching all of this information for your book. I'm just curious, was it challenging for you to to focus that intently on such a negative subject or did you kind of take catharsis in the fact that at the end of the day, this research is designed to try and help people in the long run? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, in all honesty, I felt swings back and forth of both. I'm one of those people, I mean, I'm an academic and I'm used to doing research and I'm used to putting in those kinds of hours alone where you're grappling with hard to understand material. I'm not a neuroscientist, so it was really challenging for me to to get deep into the science and to understand what had been discovered in these major research projects. And it makes you feel insecure. I mean, as you said, we want this kind of instant gratification and you don't get that writing a book. You get gratification really in, in moments like this where you're talking about it and people are listening and they care and they want to be on that journey with you. That's really where I start to feel hopeful and, and inspired. I want to see the bullying in our society, the abuse that's so rampant. I want to see that change. And I feel I feel like we can do it. Uh, you explained uh, during your interview with Dr. Claudia that this book kind of comes from the fact that your own child was experiencing bullying at the hands of staff at the school they were attending. So first of all, how is your child doing? And then what's something that you would like parents to know? Not necessarily like tips for helping through bullying, but what what's something in general you would like them to know when it comes to dealing with these experiences? So my son, when he was being um, essentially emotionally and physically abused by, by two teachers, he, he wasn't alone. There was a number of students and a number of students came forward and reported the behavior and, and reported how destructive it was for them. He's gone through a long stretch of time having to work through this as he would explain to you if he was here it wasn't so much the teacher's abuse that that really did the damage to him it was the broken system that he had to go through after reporting so after the students reported they were um, utterly betrayed by the headmaster and the chaplain at the school and the board um, of the school they were positioned um, as liars and as if they had somehow done something wrong and the teachers had actually just been so professional. You know, they hired lawyers. They did everything in their power to shame and to break confidentiality on these students. It was really, really shocking. And then it went up the next level um, to the commissioner for teacher regulation. And I have the reports in my house that are completely corrupt. If you're being harmed by a teacher, surely we think our, our children will come home and tell us. But in actual fact, the system is constructed to protect the perpetrator of abuse, not the victim. And we've all seen this in society. What I would say to parents is really develop an excellent vocabulary and an honest kind of open discussion with your children about what adult abuse looks like. They need to know that most teachers and most coaches and most doctors and most Boy Scout leaders, uh, most music teachers are really fabulous and completely committed to their uh, pursuing 
their their best selves and fulfilling their potential. But they have to know there is a minority of adults who are very, very destructive and they need to know how to report it, how to use the correct terminology, how to get their parents to advocate for them. I, I think back to my own experience and I know that by the time it got to high school, I had reached a point that I, I gave up telling the adults around me because more often than not, the system presented me with, oh, boys will be boys. Phil's overreacting and just a never ending string of why me not being okay with something was in fact okay by the system. So thank you for saying that because I, I genuinely believe that there are people out there listening that have had similar experiences that are worried about their own children and know now that, you know, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And my last question for you, Dr. Frazier, is if people want to get a hold of your book, The Bullied Brain, how do they do that? The Bullied Brain, Heal Your Scars and Restore Your Health is available widely. Um, you can buy it anywhere, Chapters in Indigo or Barnes and Noble. In all um, sort of self-promotion, it's a horrible thing, but I would love people to buy it on Amazon. And the reason being, I'm not an Amazon fan per se, but I've just heard from my agent that if we don't get tons and tons and tons of reviews, it doesn't hit the algorithm to get the book out there. And the book is full of urgently needed science. So I I hope if people are interested and they do want to get it, you do get it on Amazon. Really do me a huge favor and write a single sentence and just review it because it makes a difference. And our kids, the child population right now is suffering in terrible ways. They're not healthy. The suicide rate is up. Bullying is on the rise. Abuse is rampant. I mean, I hate to end on a negative note like that, but it's why I'm passionate about having these conversations. And I do want to finally say the best thing we did for our son, even though I guess we officially lost in the the arena of the system, um, we showed our son that he was worth fighting for. And it's, I'm really sad to hear, Phil, you didn't hear that message because the adults in your world should have said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to back you up. We're going to fight for you. We're going to make sure that no one treats you this way because it's not okay. It's not healthy and it's going to hurt you. And that's absolutely unacceptable. And we did that with our son from day one. We said, yeah, no matter what the system does, we're going to fight tooth and nail because you're worth it. And the other students are worth it. And that was very healthy for him. And he works in the film industry now. He's doing really well. He's he's very happy and healthy. And he's gotten over what was done to him because he has brain plasticity. And he's he's rewired his brain to know that he was mistreated and such as life, bad stuff happens. And you just take really good care of your brain. Dr. Jennifer Frazier, the author of The Bullied Brain, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me here, Phil. Until next time, you are loved. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to New Music on the Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina Lavecchia, music director at 105.9 The Region. One of our favorite things to do at The Region is introduce you, the listeners, to up-and-coming music artists. This episode, I am sharing new music from three Canadian and local artists. 
The Sheepdogs, AIM, and Felk won. That was a clip of I Wanna Know You by The Sheepdogs. The Canadian rock band formed in 2004. Seven years later, the Saskatoon band became the first unsigned band to be featured on the cover of Rolling Stone and became four-time Juno winners. The multi-platinum band are currently on their 50-plus state North American tour, which includes Toronto, on October 12th at Massey Hall. For ticket information, check out their website, thesheepdogs.com. They also released a new track called I Wanna Know You from their album, Out of Sight. Here's your first listen on 105.9 The Region.
You're listening to New Music on the Region podcast. We chatted with Canadian singer and songwriter AIM. With a long-standing presence in the industry, she took some time off from writing and moved away from her former genre of country music and namesake Amy Metcalf. We spoke with the Red Deer Alberta artist about why she made the transition from country music to pop electronic dance music. It's been a little bit of a journey. I have always been into kind of every kind of music, even from when I was a young kid. And I got into country music because I'm kind of a country girl. I ride horses and drive tractors and things like that. So I went by Amy Metcalf in the country world, and I just felt like I didn't have enough creative space in that genre. And so recently I just switched. And, you know, in country music, it was kind of always like, will this play on radio? Will this be good in a saloon? And I just kind of wanted to stop thinking about, would this be good in this, this, and this situation? And just wanted to make music that was more of a feel and less of a genre. For the full interview, check out our YouTube channel, 105.9 The Region. As We Go is the latest track from AIM. Here's your first listen on 105.9 The Region. New music. New music on 105.9 The Region.
York Region Radio, York Region Music. Listen local. Listen local. 1059 The Region. That was a clip of Sabrina by Canadian singer-songwriter Falk One. The track was recorded in his hometown of Vaughan and co-composed with York Region-based producer Chino. Falk One tells us Sabrina is a fun song about falling in love with a girl named Sabrina. He goes on to tell us that this song has really resonated with his fans during the summer months as the song encompasses a summer romance. Earlier this month, Falk One had his very first concert. On his Instagram, he posted some pictures and as part of the caption, he wrote, There is no better feeling as an artist than hearing people sing songs that you have worked on tirelessly for countless hours. I'm always curious and excited to see what the end goal is, but I'm so thankful to have each and every one of you alongside me for the journey. To keep updated on the latest concerts and releases, check out his Instagram at itsfalkone. If you're an up-and-coming music artist and would like to make a submission, send it to music at 1059theregion.com. To close out this episode of New Music on the Region, this is Sabrina by Falk One. Hey, turn on the stove, show them how it go. Just dance with me, uh, oh dance with me, like the way that your body tease, 
Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com. 